0: I feel like I discovered something about myself today. Oh, really? Well, it's not a new discovery, but so I'm what I would consider to be an anxious peer. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Meaning when I go to the bathroom. Oh, a nervous peer. Right. Oh, I see. I thought you said an anxious peer. I said anxious peer. 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 Like, peer. no like a like a coworker <laughs> like an anxious peer, and I'm like, what does no, that no. mean? No, I am also a nervous peer, like some okay, so basically, if I go into a public restroom with multiple stalls, I can't pee until someone else has started to pee or the sink's running if there's another person in there. I can be like that. it's very dependent on the circumstances, like somewhere like work. I can do it fine just because I'm comfortable in that bathroom, but definitely I've had instances where I'm in a public bathroom and I, I need some sort of sound or headphones in <laughs> to pee. No, because the worst is when you enter a bathroom and there's either someone in there already or just one person. It's fine if there's multiple people. I can pee if there's multiple people because there's always sound. Yes. Let's say you walk in and someone walks in right behind you. Sometimes I just want to go to the sink and pretend I'm just washing my hands and leave. (laughs) I had that. So you've been to my apartment, Hannah. Yes. It's very small and noise travels and there's no fan. Um, I, this was not recently, but I may have had someone over and I like literally couldn't pee because I was (laughs) like, there's no noise. And I just like got so anxious that I just didn't pee. I just left and I was just like, all right, I'll try again later. Did you just like try to run the sink? I thought about doing that, but I just like gave it a little time and then I went back and then I was able to pee. Sometimes I have to read things, like I'll read bottles of shampoo. Like if I read something, I'm distracted enough to start peeing. Mine's just performance anxiety (laughs) because what happens is you're both just waiting for the other person to start peeing. It's almost like a silent standoff. Or well, you won't say that you're waiting, but you're both waiting for the other person to start. And I just, it, I physically cannot pee. Like I've tried. No, no, I, no, I understand. No, I could push as hard as possible, yeah. and nothing comes out. I no, I understand. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that that was a discovery that I've made again in life, specifically because someone followed me. <laughs> <laughs> directly into the bathroom today and I went to the sink and pretended I just had to wash my hands and left and yeah. then I had to pee for the next hour and I just had to yeah. live with it To research, rank, and repeat. This is Hannah. This is Alyssa. And we're gonna jump right back into Pixar discussion and continue on with the next set of movies. We're now coming to Toy Story Three. Toy Story Three was so two thousand ten, and Toy Story Three was rated G and had a runtime of an hour and forty three minutes. Its box office worldwide. This was the first Pixar movie that went over a billion. I am not surprised. It was one point six billion dollars. Which obviously if you look at just how crazy the Toy Story numbers are, it, it just shows how good of an idea to have Toy Story be the first. So Toy Story Three has a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and ninety two out of a hundred on Metacritic and an A Cinema Score rating. Toy Story Three also was nominated and won best animated feature and it was also the second pixar movie nominated for best picture okay up and toy Story 3 are still the only pixar movies that have been nominated for or the it. oscar for best movie okay. so summary come back to the toy box in this heartwarming and hilarious movie as andy goes to college woody buzz and the toys wonder what will become of them but when they land at sunnyside daycare they discover a new adventure is just beginning all these descriptions i'm getting are from disney plus's website oh boy first first thing i wanted to say they have a opening scene it's basically like a western they're on a train mm-hmm. chase and i just pointed out that death by monkeys is how i'd want to go out it would be pretty great that's that was my main takeaway before we get into Toy Story, I just, we forgot to mention that John Ratzenberger was the construction worker and Up. He played one oh, of the construction workers. Yes. And obviously in Toy Story 3, he plays Ham again. That's right. We forgot about him, his role. I have a lot of thoughts about Toy Story 3. I do as well. So uh, the first thought that I had about this movie is I found it so weird that they were able to make the... The characters look so plasticky, but also, like, you could clearly see in, the increases in yeah. animation and, and the, how much better everything looked. Mm-hmm. But they still looked like their character models from the first two movies. Yeah, We lost Wheezy the Penguin. I we know. Sold. We also lost Bo Peep okay, for Bo some, Peep some reason. Got, I mean, her, her character I was mean, just... I mean, she'll get her time. She will, but... I, whatever. Someday. I have a and, lot. And then um, not so distant past... I actually now that I'm looking at this, I did not write a lot of notes about this movie. I wrote, I don't know how to feel about some of this stuff. The first bit of the movie feels so depressing because it's like the home, the whole home video showing a montage, playing. You got a friend in me, and the fact that it's been fifteen years since the first movie. So everyone who watched it as a kid is now growing up and going to college, and it's just the fact that. Andy's he's going away to college, getting rid of his childhood toys and stuff. That's something that everyone can relate to. Even if you haven't gone to college, It's like moving out of a house or things like that. Like it did feel very the end of a era, like so to speak. Right. And there's this part where Woody's looking at his board of stuff and he lifts up the sheet and it shows that picture. Yeah. And it just starts playing the the light motif for Woody, and it just mm-hmm. is so, like, nostalgic. We were talking, this is the only movie we've watched together. Yeah, we did watch this together. And we were talking about how his mom was making him literally pack up his entire yeah. room. She was like, it either goes to the trash, it gets donated, or goes in the attic. And I'm like, is he, are, are you turning his room into a gym? Like, what is happening? He's gonna come back from college at some point, I would imagine, for break. If he's 17 and just starting college, is he not coming home for holidays? Is he not coming back during the summer? Yeah, I didn't really understand that. And also, I think it's pretty interesting that they have him taking Woody to college. Yeah, I was surprised. I was um, surprised that he, so he puts Woody in the box to take to college. To take to college. It's more so probably that he'll just Keep it. I took a blanket. One of my like. See, I took a blanket as well, but that I feel like that's different than like. But I also didn't toy. like have it out. But yeah. I was surprised they were going to have him take it. Right. Um, obviously, he doesn't end up taking Woody to college with him. In the end. In the right. end. But I, I was surprised that they had him. I, I feel like though, Andy always does go to Woody like, oh, for, for comfort. Yeah, like right. that's like his first toy. Like the toy that obviously was really important to him. And he says something. At the end of the movie, it's like, Woody's always there for you. Yeah. Like, I think um, that's pretty So I tone. do like that they kind of call to that. Right. Um What I will say about Toy Story 3 is I felt at times in the middle, I was just kind of, I couldn't fully pay attention. I don't know what it was. I just felt like maybe there were too many new toys introduced. I'm not really sure what it was, but I just felt like some of the old characters got lost in the mix. Yeah. And I was just sort of. So one thing I noticed is, I don't know why specifically this Stood out to me, but the animation, when they're in the trash bag and they're trying to get out and the yeah. plastic's moving, it just, it looked so good. Yeah. Also, in case you weren't aware, the garbage man is Sid. Yes. Yeah. collects the garbage. And if you do not know, Sid is voiced by Eric Von Deaton. Oh, who really? You may know as Josh Bryant, who goes yeah, to Grove High School. From Princess Diaries. And also on Pups and Suds from Brink. Okay. I did, I was not aware of that. Yes, he plays Sid in both movies, Toy Story and Toy Story mm-hmm. 3. I will say the last 20 minutes of the movie are really well done again. Yeah. Specifically the last scene which like oh, we both cried last night watching it. We both it. cried. There's so much nostalgia. I think it's a mix of Toy Story being the first movie we used to watch it all the time as kids, so it was kind of I know they made a Toy Story 4, but it was sort of the end of that world of Toy Story, right? Mixed with the fact that it's just like emotional, like when you've moved on, when you've gone away, and things change. I think because um, everybody has stuffed animals or mm-hmm. a stuffed animal that they care about. I, I mean, know, I still have some that I, I can't know get for right you up. probably Cupcake. Yeah, I had a little stuffed puppy, and mine is a an Eeyore doll I yeah. got when I was like two. Yeah, and um, it's it's you just feel that emotion, and it's also like Andy. Except he gives away Woody, like right. he's able to part with him. He understands that they're going to a child who will use them instead of just being stuck up in the attic. Right. Um, so it, it's definitely like an emotional ending. I think the movie is actually really defined by the ending, I would say. I say the last, once they leave the daycare, I think that's really what, thinking about the yeah. movie, that's really what you I think remember. I got lost a little bit in the daycare part. During the daycare, I liked that they were able to do more slapstick-style humor yeah. because they could animate that better. There. They have some good... I love Ken and Barbie. Yeah. I think I love that dynamic. I like that we get a reprogrammed buzz, you know. Spanish buzz, right. I think, is pretty great. And she's like, stop, temptress. Oh, yeah. Uh, bewitching. You and your spare bewitching... Spare me your lies, temptress. Yeah. You and your bewitching good yeah. looks. And also, I think... The part I like the best with the daycare is the heist. The fact that you've got this elaborate heist and it's like Woody. It's sort of like a prison break. Woody is a great planner. Mm -hmm. He comes up with great plans. He figures things out and Buzz is great at performing like feats. Their dynamic works really well together. And I really actually liked like the Buzz-Jesse subplot line. Yeah, which I've never really been a huge fan of Jesse. Yeah. Character. She's fine. But I, I do like that. I like that Woody's loyalty really comes out in this movie. Yes. He, like, literally gives up going to college with Andy so he can stay with the other toys. And also, they they don't trust him again. No, they always never trust him. They Woody. never trust him. He's always, he's, I mean, yeah. except for the first movie, he's an asshole. Like, he was right every yeah. other time. I, at this point that we're recording, we have not watched Toy Story 4. No, we, we've we never seen it. We've never seen it. Neither of us have seen Toy Story and 4. And I don't really know anything about the movie itself. I only know that it has Bo Peep in it. Right. That's about all I know about the movie. I don't know how it ends, but I have a hard time understanding how they can top that. Yeah, we were talking last night a little bit. We we tried to save most of the stuff for the podcast, but we were just saying how it's such a perfect ending that you almost wonder why they made a fourth one. Just because right. it felt so wrapped up. Like, it felt like the perfect ending to a really good franchise. I was gonna say, it feels complete. Storybook ending, mm-hmm. as, you know, with the toys. Right. You know, it's it starts off with them being Andy's toys, and it, it goes on to someone else. They transfer over to it's, someone deserving. It's like the end of an era, but like right. a new cycle, a new beginning. Right. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot of emotion attached to yeah, this mean, movie. I uh, mean... Do you have anything else? At this point, that's the most I've cried watching a movie. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think it's just the wrapping up, too. Like, at that point, we thought that was the end of Toy Story. Right. They didn't announce the plans to make a fourth one, I don't think, until a couple years after that one came out. Toy Story 4 was in development for a really long time. So, yeah, but... I would have to say for this one, my favorite character was Woody. I said Woody as well. He just, his loyalty really shows he's basically giving up his chance to go away to college with Andy to, to stay with the toys who And to support his friends and be there for his friends and protect Um, them. Yeah. So I would say it was Woody. Um, I think my favorite line was actually a Barbie line. I loved. Um, It says, authority should derive from consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. Yeah. Like, it just felt like a really, a line you wouldn't expect Barbie to say. I kind of had a scene and quote kind of went together. Mm-hmm. I think the part where Andy's giving Bonnie the toys and right. playing with her and having one last, you know, one last time. Like, and when I he like goes to walk away and then like Woody's like, so long partner. Oh yeah. And it's <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting emotional <laughs> like, again. I feel like, did you, could, could you hear the <laughs> yeah, joke? I did, I You choked a little. I choked, <laughs> I'm just, just thinking about him saying it because I, I, I was crying while I, know. While I was watching. It's, it's just like the culmination of everything it's just woody saying goodbye and andy getting it's like getting closure and and they like they both accepted right what's gonna happen and, and like that so it definitely is i just thought of something i wanted to bring up okay so pixar for a long time didn't want to do sequels right they eventually started doing sequels and a lot of classic movies ended up getting sequels from toy story to cars Mm -hmm. every movie in that chunk from 1985 to 2006 got a sequel oh Bugs Life with the exception of a Bugs Life that's the only movie that didn't get a sequel right and I'm curious if it's because they never just didn't have a story or if they just didn't think it would market well because Bugs Life did well in yeah. the box office. I know it generally is not regarded as, like, one of the classics of Pixar. Right. But I'm curious why that was- Why it was the one that didn't. Why it's the only yeah. one so far that hasn't gotten a sequel. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Now it's time for Cars 2. <laughs> How excited are you for this? I'm so excited. I'm unable to sleep. <laughs> Cars 2 was released in 2011, has a rating of G- And a runtime of an hour and 46 minutes. Box office, 559 million. How? I don't know. So, Cars 2 had a Metacritic score. Oh, I forgot about Rotten Tomatoes. Should do that first because it's worse. (laughs) Cars 2 had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 39%. It's the lowest score so far. Mm hmm and a Metacritic score of 57 out of 100, and somehow a cinema score of A-. Yeah, I don't get that. I'm not sure how that happened. We're going to have but... to email the people over at CinemaScore. So where do we even start? <laughs> oh, actually, I got, I got something. So I actually fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep watching Cars 2 for about five minutes near the end. So I gotta be honest, there's a chunk of the movie I don't even, I, I don't remember because I fell asleep. Yeah, my first thought is how much money they had to, pay Michael Caine to agree to be in this movie. This is what my first note said. Oh boy, I'm definitely not ready for this. A white claw and ice cream at the ready. <laughs> it's <was> necessary. <laughs> you know what I realized? I was so excited to get into this movie, I forgot about the description. Oh my god, we did. We <laughs> okay. gotta give us a description. Let's, let's circle back. When Lightning McQueen and his breasts... <laughs> press that I'm concerned oh god what, let, me, let me try what? that oh, let's my. try it one more time oh my god <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> okay that's a good way to start okay <laughs> thank you thank <laughs> you keep doing it. <laughs> it's so ridiculous now I'm just picturing it oh, oh that's a good one Maybe, like, something about cars, too. Yeah, okay. When Lightning McQueen and his best friend, Mater, compete in the World Grand Prix, the road is filled with hilarious surprises, especially when Mater gets caught up in the adventure of international espionage. Michael Kane Michael Kane A.K.A. Nigel Powers. A.K.A. And you know A- that he is, hates people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. And yeah, the Dutch. Did you hear them say the word Boondaba? And it was your first thought, he exclaimed with great relish. Okay. It was. Um, we're just going to quickly go through this movie because... Most of my, my, my notes are like, I don't care about any of this. This song sucks. I don't why why is this important? I did make a list because I was very bored. Okay. Of all the, of all the spy movies that are better than Cars 2. (laughs) So we got Agent Cody Banks. I would agree. Get Smart. Yes. Spy Kids. Of course. Spy Kids 2. Yes. And the horrific Spy Kids 3 in 3D. You know, we saw that in theaters. Yes, we did. I would rather watch that because at least we get Elijah Wood. It's true. He's pretty great. The character I liked most from the first movie died and they just really took five seconds to gloss over that death. Well, I assume it's because Paul Newman died. Right. Is why he wasn't mentioned. And we'll get to in Cars 3, but he actually is talked about a lot in Cars 3. Yeah. Which is what they should have done. But again, this story was not was not based on Radiator Springs. And um, somehow, some of the characters got important roles in this movie. Okay, because of all the side characters in any of the Pixar movies I've seen, Mater is the bottom person on my <laughs> list of movies I would most like to see a movie about. But here's, in rewatching, here's what I've noticed. Every single Pixar sequel, for the most part... Gives the focus to the second main character. Because you get Monsters University, which is more about Mike, Mike Wazowski. Mm -hmm. You get Finding Dory, clearly about Dory. You've got Cars 2, which is somehow they decided it would be a good idea to focus on Mater. Okay, if you're gonna do that, then give it to Bonnie Hunt. Right. I'd like a story about Sally. She was a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. It could be That'd like be nice. a. It could be like a nice law school, like her like legally blonde days. Oh yes. Her pre days. That would be great. I don't know why we needed the first. You know the the scene where they're like it's Michael Caine and we just watch a car get murdered by the car mob. Yeah. I was like, well, what is this? There is murder and torture. Yeah. Uh, um, I, w- I said in a G-rated movie is a yikes for me. I just. The movie was boring. It was. I mean, I f- clearly I fell asleep. It so. was confusing. The part that disturbed me the most was where Mater had an accident, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is this? Why am I watching Mater leak oil—the equivalent of peeing himself?"
1: Like, yeah, it was on
0: stage, and I'm like, "What?" There I'm was like, a lot of just really weird subject matter. A lot of weird stuff. It didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't care about either the race and the Mm -hmm. biofuel and Mater's subplot with the, I don't even remember her name, the one car who's the, the, his love interest. It just, the jokes really fell flat. It was not funny. No. I don't think I laughed a single time. I laughed once. And I don't even think it was that funny of a moment. It was just more me looking for something to laugh about. I also want to mention about how I think this movie has a bad message. Yeah. Because in the end, Lightning's like, you you shouldn't be yourself because, you know, you're offensive Mm -hmm. and, you know, you come across as hillbilly, you know. Right. Lack of better word. And in the end, it's like, he's like, no, you need to be yourself. Be who you are. And Mater, well, for one, he's shown to be very culturally insensitive Mm -hmm. in a different country. You know, he's also offensive and he's rude in this movie. Yep. Why are we suggesting that children should be themselves with no filters? Because there's nothing wrong with being, having your personality and being who you are, but you can't just do whatever you want. And there's nothing wrong with going to another country and not necessarily fitting in, but there's a way you need to respect the culture and the place where you're at. Exactly. Um. And I just like, Lightning McQueen is literally the worst character. He's He still hasn't, they, they made us believe in the last Cars movie that somehow in the last ten minutes he changed completely right. as a person. We start Cars 2 and he's the same exact douchebag. Yeah, he's, I, again, I was glad I got less of him because I was just yeah. like, well, I'd, I mean, I hate Mater more than I like Lightning McQueen. Right. But it's just, all around, I can't believe Pixar put this out? No, I can't either. Based on everything else they've put out up to this point, it's honestly... I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know if they were just made this because they wanted to sell more Cars merchandise, or they thought people liked Mater enough yeah. for him to have his own movie. I'm not sure what happened. There's there's very few things that the movie actually does well. So, I guess technically there's a chase scene. There's many chase scenes in this movie. Yeah. So, adds on to that, I guess. Um... John Rotzenberger plays Mac the Jack again. again. He's got a brief role. Honestly, I think that's all I want to say. We can just get into... Unless you have anything else. I don't have any okay. anything in my So notes. instead of doing our favorites, because we had no favorites, we are going to do the worst character and the worst scene or quote. To me, the worst character... I just think Lightning McQueen, even though Mater sucks in this movie, I, I just hate Lightning McQueen. I picked mater because everything he did i did i didn't find a redeeming quality in him in the entire movie for a worse scene or quote i wanted to say every single one the quote to me that summed up how just horrible the jokes were in this movie was mater saying mcqueen meet the queen queen meet mcqueen (laughs) and i literally just sat there and i was like yeah this is this is what this movie is yeah i couldn't pick a quote there's so many so many things wrong with it and my least hurt scene was the one where he has an accident yeah because I, I was in disbelief that this was a scene i was watching and then him going to the bathroom saying like i never i never yeah. leave you know i never yeah and i'm just like what is happening like why is this a scene that we need to watch all right well let's move all on. right good we're <laughs> done all right on to better pastures. so now we got brave brave which was 2012 so brave was rated pg it was had a runtime of an hour and 34 minutes. Okay. $538 million in the box office. So it made less money than Cars 2? Yes. Oh, that's upsetting. So Brave has a uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 78%, a Metacritic score of 69 out of 100, and a Cinema score of A. Mm-hmm. Determined to carve her own path in life, Merida defines an age-old custom, sacred to the unruly and uproarist Lord of the Lands... When her actions inadvertently unleash chaos in the kingdom, mer- I said kingdom a little bit weird there. Sorry. I didn't hear anything wrong. Whatever. You didn't Merida say must. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, now this is ruined. <laughs> Merida must harness all of her skills to undo a beastly curse before it's too late and discover the true meaning of bravery. So the first thing I want to say before we get into first thoughts, how did it take? I'm trying to see how many years Pixar had been running up to this point. So 95. 95 to 2005 is 10 years, 15, 17. How did it take 17 years for there to be a female lead? Okay, my favorite note is when we were discussing lead female characters. I completely forgot about Brave. Yeah, but yeah, this is the first time. I mean, Incredibles. She wasn't the main character. I was gonna say Mrs. Incredibles is a main character, but she is not the she's not. She's not the lead. Mr. Incredibles the lead. How did it take 17 years to know. get to this point? So, just before we get into the actual movie, I did, I found some really interesting background stuff on this movie. Okay. So, Brenda Chapman, she directed Prince of Egypt. That's a good movie. Yeah. She became Pixar's first female director of a feature-length film. However, during the filming, she was replaced as director after creative disagreements. Of course. Which I thought is a shame, because having a female director based main character and then your female director getting yeah axed in the middle also Reese Witherspoon was supposed to play Merida what yeah so she was cast to play Merida oh my she was on the they were filming and she couldn't get the Scottish accent down I'm trying to imagine a a movie where Reese Witherspoon plays a Scottish child and that's Well, she gave an interview later on and said the reason... They originally said that she had another movie came up. She said the reason that she ended up leaving was because she couldn't get the accent down and she didn't want to she didn't want it to she not be she didn't want to be like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins giving right. a terrible like cockney yes. English accent. Um so she was replaced by Kelly MacDonald who is actually Scottish, which is rightfully yeah. the right way to go about it um, I think. Also Steve Jobs died the year this movie came out. They did I a little gonna tribute. I was going to say they did do a little tribute at the end of the movie. And Merida is the first Disney princess created by Pixar. Yes. Also Half of this cast is literally Harry Potter. I noticed that. From Harry Potter. I noticed so that. So you've got Emma Thompson. Who plays her mother, Eleanor. And she plays Professor Tru The the uh, astrology teacher. Then you got Julie Walters, who is Mrs. Weasley. Right. You've got Robbie Coltrane. Caltr- C- C- T- C- C- Robbie C- Coltrane. Coltrane. H- Hagrid. Hagrid. And then Patrick Doyle, he did some side character work for Brave. He scored goblet of fire okay Harry potter interesting so a lot of people from the harry potter yeah. and then just to put this here uh john ratzenberger plays a guard named gordon in the movie he's got a very brief role yeah, in this movie. very short so my first thought about brave is we watched this movie together mm-hmm. i've only seen it once and it was probably when we were in high school it was a while ago. Or maybe early college, because it would have been, if it was 2012, then that was when I was either a junior or senior in, yeah. in high school. It was definitely a, a while ago, and I, I'll be honest, I did not enjoy it. I, I, I was going to say, it. I remember you not liking it, and what I, what I wrote was my first note is that, w- what I did remember about it is that I liked the music. I remember liking the music, mm-hmm. and... And oh you know what, I'm an idiot. I literally wrote in my notes took seventeen years Mm. to get a female protagonist and I struggled for five minutes to do that. I was thinking ahead. Yeah, the first thing I noticed was like the visual, the scenic scenes they had at the beginning. Yeah. And Pixar actually completely rewrote their animation system for this film. For the hair. Yeah. And also to do, like, some of the scenery stuff. So it was the first time in 25 years they had rewrote their animation I noticed that it looked, it seemed like it had either different or been upgraded. I noticed. I also thought it was interesting that when Brave came out, Bow and Arrows were in. Mm -hmm. Because you've got, like, Hunger Games, you've got Arrow, I think, was starting around that time. I know Lord of the Rings was earlier, but... So I thought that was interesting that... That she was, like, a bow and arrow heroine figure as well. Yeah. So, this movie, like, I finished the movie and I was like, is it over? It felt really short. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't feel satisfied. No, it... Okay to me what I really liked about this movie is the focus on the mother daughter characters yeah. the and the mother daughter mother-daughter relationship is the real strength yeah. of this movie and you pick up on it quickly there's a lot of signs about it that clearly she prefers her dad she's right. like her dad, oh, yeah. dad's girl um, Yeah. That's girl. These girls. Do you not want to say the word? No, gay? I forgot what it was called. I was going to say I really like cuz I I don't remember liking her mom so much, yeah. but I really liked how they portrayed her mom as being very strong yeah. and independent. She can carry a room and you know, mm-hmm. she's clearly in charge even though like her husband is I'm assuming a king or I don't know ruler of their their clan, yeah. but she's the one who's doing the work. Yeah, I I enjoyed that aspect. I thought towards the end it just it, it was just very i don't know too fast-paced or just bizarre like it just didn't really make sense to me i think the issue i found is that i didn't feel like it was earned yeah the way they mended the tapestry and then she's like crying and the sun's coming up and then she's just Mm -hmm. magically fine and i was waiting for that like you know beauty and the beast beast transformation where we see her return to human form and said it's just here's your arm and then it just kind of ended where, like, her and mom are riding horseback, everything's a-okay, yeah. no issues. And... The other thing that I, it didn't seem believable to me is Merida goes into the room of all the men and gives this really short speech about how, like, she should be able to have her own traditions. Yeah. I was like, that would not have changed all those, no. like, hundreds year old traditions. Especially also because this takes place clearly a very long time right. ago. The one thing I did like, going back to the relationship between the uh, mom and daughter is early on, Merida's always, like, upset because her mom won't listen to her. And she won't listen to her mom. Yeah, and she gets, the mom gets turned into a bear. She literally cannot speak to her. She has no choice but to listen. Right, she has to listen to her, and she has to find a way to express herself Mm -hmm. that Merida can understand in in bear form. And I I liked that they gave the bear human-esque qualities, like her walking on two legs, you know, and daintily putting on her crown. One thing I'll say is I really liked that they made her go feral. Sometimes. Yeah. That feral animal state. I really liked that, because it, like, gave a different dynamic to their relationship. Yeah. Um, so, to me, part of the problem with this movie was not having strong side characters. The brothers, I I could do without all the butts. Did you notice the scene? There were too many butts! <laughs> no, no. There was a scene where... The maid puts the key oh, between her breasts, oh and, and he literally he he jumps would, into he basically it. He like motorboated her to get the keys. Yeah, I was, I was like, um, I didn't are, feel great about that. I didn't either. I know they were supposed to be like mischievous little boys, but I just, I don't know. The humor, I think, didn't really work. No, a lot in this movie. To me, there just was. It seemed confusing at times. I wish this movie would have been better. Me too. Pixar still doesn't really do a lot of women-led. Mm-hmm. It just still feels like they tried this thing with the, the Disney like princess story and it didn't really seem to stick yeah. and work with the audience. I mean, clearly, if it's making less money than Cars 2, right. I wish it could be good. It just didn't all come together. Because I think there was a lot of potential there. I mean, Merida herself is a pretty strong character. Right. And I think her whole message of, Not wanting to have to, like, marry into, or follow tradition, wanting to kind of carve her own path. I think that's a good message, but I just think that the way they executed it, it didn't stick for me. Yeah, I agree. I would say my favorite character was Merida. My favorite was Eleanor, her mother. Mom, okay. Yeah, but I I went between the two of them. The favorite scene, actually, so Merida and her mom, at the, towards the beginning of the movie, they're having, like, this parallel conversation where they're both kind of showing that they can't communicate with each other and showing right. the complexity of their relationship. They're not actually talking to each other. Merida's kind of talking to herself. She's talking to her horse, Oh, kind to her of. horse. Yeah. And then Eleanor's talking to the father. Pretending to be Merida. Right. So I think that scene was really interesting to see that, like, parallel, how they are both having the conversation they want to have, but they can't have it actually face-to-face. And I, an extension, uh, that was a scene I considered, and I liked when, you know, she's got the dress on, and her mom, like, is trying to say something, but she just can't mm-hmm. say it, so she says something else that she, you know, it, it seems like they maybe will connect, but it didn't work out. Right. Um, the scene I picked is, I really liked the scene when she's turned into a bear and they're catching fish. Because I thought that was the first time you really saw them, like, having fun together, enjoying each other's company. And, yeah. like, her mom's, you know, getting more into Merida's territory of her being very outdoorsy and free. It's and, sort of like and... their first time really understanding each other. And I liked, like, the song that went with mm-hmm. that. Again, I, I said this at the beginning that the one thing I remembered was the music. And I really like, I like all the song use in this movie. Yeah. And the artist they got is Scottish artist. Yeah, as they. Well. I looked it up. They got like all Scottish artists to do. Yeah, the, the singing woman who and does. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was really cool that she got someone who probably isn't, or at the time wasn't well right. known, got like a feature in a Pixar movie. The quote I really liked. What is the thing? Oh, so she, Merida's talking about. I believe she's talking about fate. It's and she says it's the one thing we search for or fight to change. Um, I really like one. that. I think it might have been from the beginning when they're introducing, like showing all the scenery and everything like that. I think, so I'm pretty sure mine is from pretty early on in the movie, but it's um, Meredith's mom. She says, Legends are lessons, they ring with truth. Yeah. And I liked that. Oh, and the other thing I forgot to mention earlier is there is a chase scene, chasing Meredith's mom at the end of the movie. Yeah. So we get another one of those. Yeah. All right. So now we get into another Pixar sequel. Monsters University, which rawr. is rated. <laughs> what nothing. Monsters University R is that what rawr. you said? Rar. Oh, rar. my impression of um Sully. Oh God. Well, it's rated G. <laughs> Can we just start over? No. Monsters University is rated G. It was released in two thousand thirteen and has a runtime of an hour and forty three minutes. It's a box office of $743 million worldwide. It has a 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, a Metacritic score of 65 out of 100, and a Cinema score of A. So, for summary, Monsters University. During his first semester at Monsters University, Mike Wazowski's dream of becoming a scarer is derailed when he crosses paths with hotshot James P. Sullivan. So, I actually have a little background about the production of this sequel. So, back before Disney bought Pixar, Disney owned the rights to create sequels for Pixar movies. And they had planned a sequel as early as 2005. But then when Disney bought Pixar, that sequel's plans were dissolved. And it had been worked on by this animation company called Circle 7 Animations. And they had actually worked on drafts for Toy Story 3, Monsters University, and Finding Dory. And so they never actually produced anything because they were only open for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. But the film was originally supposed to be about Mike and Soli getting lost in the human world, trying to give Boo a birthday present, and then they would go off and separate and have mm-hmm. shenanigans. And I don't know how that would have turned out. It's interesting, though, that it wouldn't even have been a, a prequel all right well that's all i had about the background okay so my first note is i so i've seen this movie one time probably a couple years ago and i did not remember that john krasinski was in this movie i didn't either but i instantly heard someone talking and i was like that's john krasinski something i noticed about this movie is i got kind of taken out of it a little bit because of how many voices Mm -hmm. i recognize because arby plaza's in it John Krasinski, I was like, oh, that's Jim, immediately. I, heard, I also heard Bonnie Hunt right I at the beginning, Bonnie too. I heard Bonnie Hunt right at the beginning. Yeah, there's a lot in there. My first thought that I wrote down is that I saw this movie in theaters in right after I graduated from high school, and I didn't really remember a lot about the movie. Mm-hmm. The only things I knew is there was, like, a sad camp scene um, near the end, and then it was, like, really fret. Yeah, I mean, it's Monsters University, but... One of the things that I think didn't help the movie was the the whole movie was based around game like initiation thing. Yeah I was gonna say it kind of uses every college frat stereotypical like movie and it just puts it in this universe and I don't really don't think we needed that really. I would agree. Because there's, like, the hazing, you know, the loser frat, mm-hmm. there's the top frat that are all mean, you know. I don't exactly like that they made solely this frat, bro. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Why? Why'd you do this to me? Yeah, I mean, I think it was an interesting idea or concept, I should say, for them to look back into their, like, how their relationship formed. Right. I just think the actual story of it. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I, like, I think it's a fine movie. I don't think there's anything in here that I was like, oh, this sucks. This is terrible. I feel like I could have definitely been okay without seeing it. I do think it added certain dynamic, it helps you understand the relationship between Mike and Sully better, but I also feel like it would have been fine without the prequel. Yeah. Some of the, like, gags were funny. There was the monster holding several cups of coffee Mm -hmm. and the pot going into the exam, and I'm like, I relate to that on a personal level. Although I don't think the soundtrack's amazing, I do think it fits, you know, the college big band kind of feel. I mean, I did really like the colors and the animation in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There's such a variety of it. And what it does is it focuses on the biggest flaws of each character. Yeah. So you have mike with wanting to be the only one in charge and wanting to be not necessarily like the leader but like the type a person right who's in charge of everything and then you have solely thinking that he's better than everyone and that his talent will take him where he needs to go yeah and i do like that the ending of the movie kind of subverted the tropes mm-hmm. because you've got mike who's the hardest worker but he's not scary And nothing he does is going to change that. Like, no matter how hard he works, he's never going to be what he wants to be. And then I also like that they get expelled and they're not allowed back in. And they have to just work their way to what they want to do. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's not your fairy tale ending. I said it's similar to Ratatouille where they go with a realistic ending. Right. With Mike, you know, not getting, like, a new record, not becoming a scare, and them both having to kind of work their way up to the positions they were at at Monsters, Inc. So I kind of liked that aspect of the movie, mm-hmm. but, again, I just, it's fine. Yeah. I think part of the problem is I've seen this movie a hundred times. The first the original. Con- no, 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 this concept. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> no, not the actual I was movie. gonna say, like, you, I thought you said no. you saw it one time. No, no, no. Like, the concept. Basically, it, the underdogs rising to the top. There's a group of misfits. In, yeah, college especially. Yeah, like, I've seen that story done in TV shows and movies. I don't think it's a new idea, necessarily. And I, I, just, it's, I mean, I can think of five movies that right. fill that void, off. like, have that same kind yeah. of story off the top of my head. And so I think they probably could have found a different way to do it if they were going to do a prequel or maybe not. They shouldn't have done a prequel. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think they do anything interesting enough to separate it. I do like the contrast of, like, how natural ability can only get you so far. Yeah. Hard work eventually has to come in and you do see that, but I don't know. To me, it's just, like, it's an okay movie. It was, for me, it was easy to watch but also I just found myself being like this is nothing new. Right. And it also made quite a bit of money at yeah, the box say. office. Like wasn't it like 700,000 743 million. So it obviously did well yeah. and it's did better than a lot of the movies around this time yeah. did. So I I don't know if it's because it's a Monsters, Inc. sequel and people really like Monsters, Inc. I think sequels have a built-in audience already. Yeah. So that definitely helps. Because, I mean, Brave and Good Dinosaur had fewer, but they also were just their own standalone movies. Yeah. I mean, I I understand. I think people really liked Monsters, Inc. Mm -hmm. I know we both like Monsters, Inc. a lot. Right. The problem to me is it, it doesn't live up to Monsters, Inc. I will say I do really like a lot of the callbacks to the original Mm -hmm. they did in this movie because the credit sequence is kind of similar in the beginning. They do that slow-mo shot of them walking into the room. They have, at the very end, I noticed he had in his locker sticky Mm -hmm. note that said file paperwork. I was looking for it because I'm like, oh, I hope that's in there. Yeah, and going to that, John Rotzenberger plays the Yeti. Again, he's in it briefly. Oh, very briefly. And there's technically a chase scene at the very end with the police officers. I don't know. The movie to me... It just got confusing at times. Yeah. And I don't think the emotion hit as hard as they wanted it to. I think certain scenes for me that I felt emotion. I don't know. I missed the characters from the original Monsters, Inc. I don't think they did Sully that well. I didn't like Sully in this movie. And, I mean, people can change and stuff like that, but to me that's not what I would have pictured Sully like as a person that age. Yeah, same. Same. Does it speak to the, um, the other characters in the frat that we haven't even mentioned any of them, that they're kind of forgettable? I mean, to be honest, I don't... Besides, like, Aubrey Plaza, just from her voice, but... Well, I know my favorite of them was the one played by Charlie Day. Which character was, he was that? He kind of looked like a, an M, like a fuzzy M. Oh, okay. He made comments for once in a while that he's like, I'm not going back to prison. Oh, yeah. And, like, this is my favorite sewer. Yeah, I just... The side characters were really lacking. They were... F- Fine, I think they but... were more just in there for plot filler, which is okay, but I would have liked yeah. to see a couple side characters actually be more developed. Right. I don't know. To me, it just. It was an okay movie. Yeah, it's okay. I'm ready to move into favorites if you would like to. Me as well. Okay. Favorite character for this one is actually Mike. I agreed. Uh, Which, in the last movie, I think we both said Sully. We both said Sully. But for me, this was Mike's chance to be the main kind of character. To me, it's like at the end of the day, he wanted something so bad, but you can't just want something to make it happen. Sometimes it's, you can't happen. You just don't get it. Right. And so he's able to understand that and realize a new dream that he can have. Right. So I like that idea. My favorite quote, I, I wasn't sure. I had a couple options but i end up going with the one where he's Sully's like i can't do it and he's like stop being a soul of it and start being you because mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to live in your father's legacy you know you can be your own person yeah which i think is a good message yeah the one i picked i think it was actually during the camp sequence <laughs> but Sully's like i act scary mike but most of the time i'm terrified it just shows like his vulnerability and that he's not always this um... confident over cocky jock yeah I think my favorite scene is when they go to Monsters, Inc. I put the same one. Yeah, and it's kind of the first time Sully and Mike bond. And the whole team kind yeah. of bond together. Because they show them, like, scares can look all... Shapes and sizes yeah. and... yeah, They don't have to be these big, horrifying creatures. They can be any kind and people can kind of use their abilities. Right. So I did like that. Alright, well, I don't have anything else for this movie. Neither do I. Alright, so now we move to Inside Out. So Inside Out was released in two thousand fifteen, the first of two movies released this year. Mm-hmm. The second being The Good Dinosaur. Right. It was rated PG and had a runtime of an hour and thirty five minutes. Uh, box office, it was eight hundred fifty seven million worldwide. And it has a Rotten Tomato score of ninety eight percent, Metacritic score of ninety four out of hundred, and Cinema score of A. Okay, so summary of Inside Out, when 11-year-old Riley moves to a new city, her emotions team up to help her through the transition. Joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness work together, but when joy and sadness get lost, they must journey through unfamiliar places to get back home. Alright, I gotta be completely honest, I watched this movie eight hours ago. Did you? Yeah. I thought you had finished it. <laughs> I I lied. Oh. I lied because I could couldn't get bring myself to watch it. Is that why you were panicking when I mentioned if we should talk about it? Yes, because I had (laughs) nothing. I had nothing written down. I had no notes. I was like, I haven't watched it. So I watched it last night at about twelve to one in the morning. Okay. So so I also have some background about this movie as well because it's kind of interesting how it all came together. So. You mentioned the, the box office was really high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was actually the highest opening for an original title at that time. Okay. The movie was being storyboarded and pre-production for almost two to three years before they actually started working on it. And they had seven different versions of the movie before it went to production. Pete Doctor was, I believe, director and screenwriter or involved in both facets of there mm-hmm. and normally in animation it's a very male-dominated field but for mm-hmm. this specific movie he brought in half the story crew uh, at, to be women so that would have more diverse output and views about the story okay and he actually almost resigned from the film because he didn't feel like it was coming together because originally they had joy and fear being the two that go together mm-hmm. on this journey and while he was thinking about how he was gonna leave this film he was like we should make it sadness because you need sadness to have connections mm-hmm. so they replaced fear with sadness and then it all came together other thing i want to mention is that this movie was nominated for 21 original screenplay 15 best picture and 40 best animated feature nominations for over 50 different organizations. That's crazy. Which is insane. Yeah. And for the Oscars, it ended up winning Best Original Screenplay. Oh, no, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. lost to Spotlight. I can see why it won, but it did win Best Animated Film. And it's honestly a little surprising to me that this wasn't nominated for Best Feature. Yeah, that is. That is interesting. I also want to point out that... Michael Giacchino, I learned how to pronounce his name, oh, there you go. I butchered it so many times, Michael Giacchino did the music for this movie, okay. and I have found that he tends to be my favorite sound and orchestrator for right. Pixar movies, based on the ones that he's done. So, the first thing I noticed, I, like, as soon as I watched it, I couldn't remember where they lived, because I've only seen this movie once. And I said, this, Riley's dad looks like your typical Midwest dad. They must be somewhere in the Midwest. And he, then you learn it's Minnesota. And I was like, okay, I was right. He does look like a a typical Midwest yeah. dad. Also, I don't know if you know this, but he is voiced by the captain. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and if we just talk about, really quick, the cast of this movie. Great cast. You got a really good cast. I mean, you got Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Mindy Kaling. Phyllis Smith. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a good cast. Yeah. And it's good. I think the thing I liked is that each character, or each actor or actress really matched their character they played. Oh, I thought Phil Smith, also known as Phyllis from The Office, mm-hmm. I thought she did an amazing job. Yeah. Like, I loved her performance. Yes. I thought what it was, was so perfect. Uh, yeah, it was, honestly. What was your first uh, thought or no? So my first thought is that I've been dreading watching this. Yeah. Because... The movie had such a profound impact on me that I've... Me and Hannah saw this in theaters together. I have never cried harder in a movie theater in my entire life. I even own this. I own this movie. You got it for me on DVD and I haven't watched it because I just, like, wasn't mentally prepared to be as emotionally drained as it was to me the first time. So I said, please don't make me cry as hard. K thanks. Yeah. I think concept-wise... This could be Pixar's strongest idea for a movie. So this is what I said. I said, this movie feels so Pixar. Since um, we finished Toy Story 3, I haven't felt like a movie felt like, you know, that original Pixar creativity and you're just wowed by it. This is the first time in a lot of these movies that I felt that inspiration and creativity that I feel like we had been missing for a while. And I think it's a really risky idea to make a whole movie just solely based on emotion and feelings well i mentioned like how long it took yeah. to get to the one story they like because they were consulting child psychologists mm-hmm. they were consulting you know all sorts of people to try to figure out the best way to portray this idea mm-hmm. and these things and yeah it could have gone horribly wrong yeah but it works so well yeah i think this is a movie where the a and b plot both work really well i agree separately and, and intertwined together and I don't know what it says about me, but I related the most to sadness. Yeah, same. Same. Like, my, where... But my quote I picked is from sadness. Yeah. But I'm like, where am I out of my life where that's where I relate the most to? And the humor worked so well in this movie. Yeah, it did. There was so many little gags that I loved and there wasn't anything that I was like, this is awful. Normally, I mean, some of the Pixar movies, like the humor's good, but there's, you know, a few things here and there and I'm like, meh. Yeah. I don't really care for this, but, like, I didn't really have anything that I was, like, I don't care for this. Yeah, one of the scenes that I really liked the humor in, it was at the beginning it was a dinner scene. And it was I was showing down the each scene. member's internal motions and the husband's like, Oh, she's looking at she's, us, we what did attention. she we say? Yeah. We weren't paying attention. Yeah, I really liked the dinner scene. I wrote down about that. Um so John Rotzenberger again has a small role. He plays Fritz. It's one of the mind workers when they're when Joy and Sadness are out um, on their adventure. Um, uh, in the train? Is yeah, that I believe so. Okay. It's really interesting to see how this movie like goes about portraying mental health.
1: And I, emotions.
0: <clears throat> I think this is maybe the best portrayal of mental health in children in the movie I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's, it's still considered. This movie was rated in two thousand seventeen. It was this. I think it was the seventh best movie of the twenty first century. Yeah, at that time, or one of yeah one of the best films of that decade, and I. I think why it always, I still cried a ton at the end again. Mm -hmm. I I was like, I knew it was going to happen. But I think why it resonates so hard is because it's like, I wish there would have been a movie like this Mm -hmm. when we were that age. Because it basically is like an affirmation that like, you don't have to be happy all the Mm -hmm. time. Like you, it's okay to feel like wrong or to feel sad or to not feel right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I said. Like not everything in life is happy. I like the idea of having the sad memories be the ones that turn can turn into happy turn, I like that they portray sadness as is, is necessary and Joyce has to learn that you need sadness to be able to be empathetic and to understand and sympathize with other people's right. points of views. Like how she helps bing bong. Um, yeah. I really like the idea, too, of the islands. I do, too. Of having, like, those interests or connections and sort of the uh, the idea that when you're depressed or stuff like that, those connections can kind of disappear and go away. Right, like you lose parts of yourself. Right, and so I like that concept of having them like actually falling and actually like crumbling apart. This also kind of felt like a Finding Nemo esque journey mm-hmm. in a way, where you have little segments in different worlds or different rooms. Like, I love that abstract art room yeah. where they're just like deteriorating. And it's, that's like a fun way that you can use the medium in like different yeah. ways because you know they go 2D, they like turn into, like a Picasso esque painting. Yeah, I really like that. As and well. I liked the dream world, dream yeah, studios, like it's like a movie plot. Yeah. I actually really like that they ended up going with Joy and Sadness together. I think it's a great combination. Um, It's interesting to see the balance at the end between the emotions. Right. That they're able to combine together to create positive, you know, experiences. And, like, Joy realizing Sadness is what made Riley's core memories possible. Right. I always like that when, when she goes back and she sees, like, all the moments that were core memories, the happy ones, came from sad times. Came from sad times, yeah. <clears throat> I also really liked the designs of the emotions. Yeah. Just the look of them. I thought it was really interesting. Joy's design was really good, I thought. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I both like love and hate Bing Bong. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, it's such a realistic, I don't really think I ever had an imaginary friend. Not really. I mean, I think when we like, but also because we had, we were siblings, like, you know, multiple. So I mean, we would. I feel like I would make up make up stories, you know, and characters. But I didn't really have like a specific imaginary friend. But I thought it was like really realistic. As you go through life, you have to leave these things Mm -hmm. behind, and you know, you don't, you forget things, and you, you know, grow out of certain things. It sort of reminded me of when we talked about Toy Story, like what happens with the toys that are forgotten. It's sort of like what happens with those memories and things like that when you're no longer thinking about them. Right. So I did, I did enjoy that concept as well. I also like at the very end that there's the tragic vampire romance island. Oh yeah. And it's like, oh, that's great. I just think there's a lot that this movie does really well. And I think the, um, the music's a big part of it Mm -hmm. because there's like something about the, the piano a leitmotif that plays a couple times throughout the movie. There's a scene early on where she's playing that ice skating scene and she's just skating and it's just Mm. piano. And I got teared up just watching that. That is such a, like, a poignant scene. Just the way they're able to convey emotion with just the music and the visual, and there's no dialogue, which we know Pixar can do really well, but I thought it was done really well in multiple parts of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I really like the side characters. I think they had strong side characters. I agree. And I would argue that it's maybe Pixar's most important message. I think so. In terms of, like, what the message from the movie is for kids. But yeah, I think it's it's a very important film in the way it it deals with the human spirit Mm -hmm. and human condition and... And the way children a lot of times don't understand how to deal with things like that because you don't, it's not something you can really understand mm-hmm. at that age. And just, like, coming to terms with different things. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And like you said, like, it was something that I wished we could have had when we were younger. Because oh, yeah. they didn't make any no. movies like that. And they still, I mean, this is, I think Inside Out was such a groundbreaking film because... I think so. It was the first time they really portrayed a child and made it to me feel real yeah I think a lot of times when they try to do like the mental health with kids it it's either it doesn't it's not portrayed right or Or it feels like way over the top too dramatic or it's trying to be like too protective and it doesn't get enough into it I think this this is has a good balance this is just a simple story of she just wants to go home because she misses home and she misses her friends and it's you know, that's the story of yeah. of the, the mental health issues is because of that. It's not some crazy, over-the-top thing. It's just, like, a really simple story that uses that to its advantage. Right. Are you ready to get into yeah the characters? Okay. So, you can go through your character first. I picked Joy. Okay. I was between Joy and Sadness, but I just think Joy is... I like how much she learns throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Just the way she's able to to learn and grow and understand the necessity of other emotions because in the beginning she's clearly like i'm the one that needs to be in control Mm -hmm. of everything i make her happy and she needs to be happy where you and she goes through this discovery to come to the realization that you need you need the bonds and you need to feel other emotions to be able to grow and to to live um, I actually went the other way. I did Sadness. Okay. I was with you. I was between Joy and Sadness. But for me, like, her humor was so good. She had so many good humor the moments. The deadpan, dry yeah. humor works so well. But also, like, I like that she finally got a chance to step up and to kind of at the end be the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, And I do like showing that sadness isn't the worst thing. Like, people right. always think of it as such a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to have. Yeah. So I did like that my god, I'm gonna, like, I'm, like, tearing up just thinking no. about my, my favorite scene is, is the end when, um, sadness and joy come, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, starting to cry just thinking about it, where they like, come together to like, help her, you know, yeah. overcome this depression, you know, basically depression, yeah. um, visualized by, like, the board going gray mm-hmm. and they're unable to affect her because she can't feel anything, and they're together are able to fix things. There's such little dialogue and, like, great music, mm-hmm. and it's just, oh. Yeah, I wrote the same thing. They just share this look and you don't need any words to understand what's happening. Um, And then when they start to go into that montage of sad moments, but also the ones turning into happy moments. Right, turning into happy moments. Uh, There was a quote, I think it was Joy said, she said, we can't make Riley feel anything. Mm -hmm. Just sort of that realization that she's like numb. Yeah. And that they literally can't get any sort of emotion out of her. And that's sort of Joy realizing that maybe it doesn't need to be happy all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite quote was a sadness quote. And she says, crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. And I was like, this uh, is very relevant to today because that's just about, uh, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel I, about 2020.
0: That was my other favorite quote too. I had that one written down, but I thought yeah. I was like, I relate very much to that. I was, mainly I was just starting this movie because it's, it's a great movie. And I, it's, but it's also a movie I don't think I need to watch that often just because it, it's such a, an emotionally draining experience mm-hmm. because it, it, it makes you feel so much. Yeah. No, I agree. I finished this movie and I it was like, I can't watch another Pixar movie. I gave myself like a week or two because yeah. I was like, it, it is draining. It's such, it's such a good movie, but at the same time, it's, I don't know, you sit there and you watch it and you can't not like think about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's why, that's why I, I lied and said I had already watched yeah. it, because I just, I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm not ready. You even texted me and you were like, I cried, but not as much as the yeah, first Yeah, I just, time. well, because I knew we were going to watch The Good Dinosaur, and I didn't want oh. you to know that I was going to be going out of order. Liar! I am a liar. I, well, because we've been trying to watch them in order, but yeah. we had been, we were going to watch The Good Dinosaur, so I just said, uh, I haven't watched it. I'll allow it. Or, I have watched it, but I secretly had not watched it. Yeah all right so good dinosaur the good dinosaur was released in 2015 Mm -hmm. it has a runtime of an hour and 33 minutes and is rated pg at this point one of like two or three yeah pixar movies that is rated pg box office it was 332 million worldwide Oh, that's it. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) So, The Good Dinosaur has a 76% on Rotten Tomato. It has a Metacritic score of 66 out of 100 and a Cinema score of A. Um, Also, we didn't mention this for the past several movies we've talked about here, but The Good Dinosaur was not nominated for any awards. Mm -hmm. Same with Cars 2. Same with Monsters University. Brave was nominated for Best Animated Film and won Best Animated oh. Film. And Inside right. Out also won Best Animated Film as right. well. Okay, um, so Disney's Pixar presents a hilarious, heartwarming adventure into the world of dinosaurs when a young potosaurus I think that's right. Sounds right. Named Arlo is swept far from home. He makes an unlikely human friend and learn what he's truly capable of doing. This movie's bizarre. <sighs> so, it's a we uh, watch this together yes. this is the first movie we've watched together since toy story 3 mm-hmm. um starting off like the first thing i i had wrote down is this would probably be the pixar movie that i've heard the least about and you had not seen this i had never movie. seen it but also i just hadn't i really didn't know anything about it i um i had seen this movie once a couple years ago i didn't really remember a ton about it i remembered a few things we'll get to the the drug trip scene later i specifically remembered that but my first um thought that i wrote down is that this is like a very coming of age story Mm -hmm. and like arlo's the outcast you know trying to find his place in the world at times it really felt like finding nemo i wrote a note about that like they were trying to recreate finding nemo with having him basically Losing his family, having to come back to them, and having all these side characters helping him get back. I found the note that I wrote down because I was going to say I, I noticed that, but I don't think they were. There was one one segment I liked, mm-hmm. um, specifically with the T Rexes. Yes, I liked the T Rex segment, but I didn't really care for a lot of those um, segments. I think for me, the biggest problem was in the middle. Like I was, I was just so bored. Yeah, I. I think, like, I don't know, part of it, it's just, like, it doesn't feel all connected, really. It's very disjointed. It's very disjointed, because it, parts of it are very, like, non-verbal, kind of like Wally. but it doesn't really always work. There's, like, some good, um, family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Like, his father, like, his parents want what's best for him, but then his father, like, pushes him. He's angry and upset, and he's, like you didn't murder this small child, so we need to go get him now. Yeah. And, like, you're gonna do you're I'm gonna push you too hard, and then I'm gonna be, like, sad. Like, I'll be like, oh, God, what have I done? Yeah. Kind of like Gil and finding you know. Right. But I understand what the dad's trying to do. Like, he's scared for his son's safety because right. he's smaller and he wants him to be able to, at the end of the day, like, protect himself and his family. Right. I just think he could have gone about it differently. Yeah, because I liked that little firefly scene with mm-hmm. them. Like, that was nice. Where they're but, running. But yeah. then he immediately was like, oh, no. we." And I I knew the dad was going to die. I, 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 had had remembered, I had remembered that the dad dies. And I think another problem this movie has is that the humor is all mm. over the place. Some of it is really funny. Some of the dry humor really works, like, with the animal collector. Mm -hmm. I really liked that scene a lot. I said that, um, when the humor's on, it really works. The issue is that it misses the mark a lot of the time. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was on very much. There's some, some weird stuff going on. Yeah. I did like the, like, nature animation. It looked nice. It looked good. Um, it's a, And also the the idea of the story is interesting, yeah, too. Like, it, what if the dinosaurs didn't get uh, hit, mm-hmm. you know, the earth didn't get hit by a comet or, you know, the dinosaurs didn't go extinct. Yeah, the concept's really creative, I think. I just think that it didn't get executed well. Um, I'm going to just say John Rotzenberger played Earl. I think he was one of the villain, like... The Velociraptor. Velo- yeah.
1: Kind of yeah, a side character. with the
0: T-Rex scene, I yeah. think, in that group. Um... So, let's talk about that weird drug scene. Yeah. Um. So, they eat some, like... Berries or... I think they were, like, fruits. Some fermented fruits. Mm-hmm. So, they're basically, like, drunk slash... Like, like, on drugs. On drugs. Um. And here's the thing. Things like that can work, but that was just so short that I didn't feel like they didn't make it work. Because you've got a movie like Dumbo, mm-hmm. where, you know, you've got, like, the pink elephant scene, and that's, like basically the dru- the creator, like, the yeah. animators were, like, just on acid while doing it. Or you've got something like 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. where they're all over the place and you're going through, like, here's the steps. Like, the stages. The stages. Yeah. And, like, that works really well because of how long it is. But this one, I was just, like, it's just too short and it just, like, is too weird to work. I remember when we were watching it, we were just like, yeah. I'm sorry, what? Um, the one thing I did like was Arlo... In kind of his, like, PTSD. I, yeah, I agree. I, I liked I liked Arlo as a character. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because every time it would, like, thunderstorm, he would flash back to his dad's death. Right. So I liked them doing that. I also liked, um, I don't know, I had a couple issues with just, like, the plot and the story and how the, the pace of the movie. There's also some, like, weird sound mixing yeah. stuff. Like, it just, like, I felt like we kept having to adjust the volume yeah. a lot. And, oh, yeah, because we kept having to turn yeah. it down and turn it and up. And turn it up, yeah. Um, It was really gory. It was, yeah, it was very violent. I was not expecting that. And it's rated PG, so that's probably why I got a PG yeah. rating. But yeah, it's, like, surprisingly violent. Like, we were, talked about that a bit. Like, yeah. we were like, oh my gosh. I was like, definitely it's, surprised at points. Yeah. Like, there's a lot, of, and, uh, and we didn't really talk about, like, Spot as a character. He's just not, there's not much there. Yeah, I just, like. You know, you can do like Wally. You can do a mostly silent mm-hmm. character I and mean, we know Pixar can do that well. I just like I didn't really have any attachment to no. him. Like at the end, you know, the emo the emotional I just did air quotes because you yeah. can't see me. Right. Um <laughs> the emotional scene where like he choo- where Arlo's like no, this is your family, you know, mm-hmm. does the circle around them and I like I'm like I know this is supposed to be the emotional moment, but I don't necessarily care. So, actually, do you have any more notes? Cause... Um, that's all I have. Okay. So, interestingly enough, the scene you just described was my favorite scene. Okay. For a different reason. Okay. I liked, I didn't like, necessarily like, I didn't feel emotion during okay. the scene much, but I did really like what they did with the music there, and I also liked that they were able to portray a scene with, Pretty much no words. I was gonna say that they did, I think it's done yeah. well. I just didn't have any emotional attachment. So I just didn't yeah. feel like it landed me. I guess for the me. reason it was my favorite scene is because you, you could feel all, you could sense what was happening and understand the whole story without having to get words spoken to you. Yeah. You could understand what was going to happen. So I, I did like that. So my favorite scene is also another moment where there's really no, not a lot of dialogue. It's, um, it's kind of a short scene. It's where Arlo's throwing spot, like, up into the clouds. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I felt like that was one of the only times I could see, like, the emotion. Right. With both of them. Like, look, and also the visually, it looked really nice. It was just, like, a nice little moment of them, like, kind of bonding. Right. And I really liked that. And also uh in part with that also the firefly scene with his dad. I really liked the visuals with that as well. Um my favorite quote it was the during the guy who was the animal collector. One of my my quote is also from the animal collector. I was I got down to two, but the one I picked is this is Dreamcatcher who protects me from unrealistic goals. It's actually Dream Crusher. Oh, Dream Crusher. Because my, also, that is the exact quote I picked okay. as well. The other one yeah. I liked when he's, like, describing all the people and he goes, this is... And it's Debbie. Debbie, yeah. and it's just silence. And it's just silence, yeah. That was the, that was the humor that worked for me. You're better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked, that was also my quote as well. Yeah. And we skipped favorite character. Yeah, i I picked Arlo. I picked Arlo as well. I think he, to me, he was an interesting character in that he, like, I don't know. He never really fit in with his family. Yeah, he's he the just, outcast. Of the he family, always the wanted to put his print on the wall. They had. Right. He wanted to like fit in in that aspect, and you know he deals with his father's death and feeling like he's not capable enough. And it's it's interesting to see. I even noticed at the end, I was like, he actually looks like physically like bigger. I was going say he looked taller and I don't know how long I would assume it's at least a couple weeks between because right. I'm sure I'm sure he flew pretty far down the river you know in the storm. Yeah. But yeah it definitely seems like he it was like it I guess I I'll say at the end it felt like he had been on a journey. Right. I didn't necessarily like the journey but he it felt like he learned and grew a lot. Through that experience, right. I think that's why I really liked that that T Rex, the wrangling stuff, because I felt like that was the one time when they like he fit in, Mm -hmm. and also they like he learned a lot from them. Right. Yeah. So that's a good dinosaur. Um. And I don't necessarily. I guess I don't really know if there's like a specific chase scene in this movie. I mean, technically, there was like moments, like there was like there's not not really one near the end. I guess Arlo's chasing the creepy pterodactyl guys, and they're chasing the. The animals, the rodeo, yeah. uh, T-Rex men, but played by the good old Sam Elliott. Yep. I was I, I think I, didn't I, am like, is this, sounds that sounds like Sam Elliott. And you're like, yeah, it's Sam yeah. Elliott. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, that was the good dinosaur.
1: <laughs> I've been oh, waiting my. to do that all <laughs> the oh, <whole> no. time. Oh <laughs> no.
0: The good dinosaur. felt a cough. <laughs> I felt the, okay, so the weed tickle we're... in my throat. <laughs> a little tickle. Okay, we're good. Now I'm thinking about Harry Potter erotica again. No, but I'm thinking about Shawn Mendes and his butthole. <laughs> I, hope this, I, hope, <laughs> I hope this stays in. Okay. We're talking about Finding Dory. Yes. Yes, we are. And we're really? talking about 2016. We are talking about 2016. What a what a year. What a year. It's weird because 2016 started off as like maybe one of the best years of my life. And mm-hmm. then it became not my best year of my life and then we just snowballed into the next four years of struggle and here we are still struggling uh so finding dory is rated pg it's an hour and 37 minutes and it oh actually that's now it's your turn i forgot how the order went (laughs) so box office a billion is it the first pixar movie to break into the billions it's the first since toy story 3 to hit it so oh, Toy I Story forgot 3 about Toy Story was 3. In the billions, Okay, and there hadn't been one since. In it, I think it was just over a billion. If any Pixar movie was going to make a billion dollars as a sequel, I a hundred percent believe that it's Finding Dory because Finding Nemo made a ton of money too. Yeah, wasn't it the highest grossing for a while there? Um, let me see. Nine hundred thirty six million. So, and that was a pretty big jump right. from the previous ones. Yeah. So I 100% believe it. You better believe it. Because it's true. Don't call you Shirley for nothing. (laughs) Every time you say something and then you laugh at your own joke while I stare at you is just... That's just going to keep happening. Listeners, because you can't see her, she uh, was... Leaning over with her hands covering her face. Now she's covering her mouth, in shame, in shame and embarrassment, in disgust. Just like, <laughs> just like Sean Maness's like... butthole. For those of you don't know, oh stitches. no, 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 we're just <laughs> okay. No, nope, we're gonna, we're not gonna touch that. Okay, we're gonna let that be. Okay, uh, how did you in the uh, Rotten Tomatoes? No, yeah, let's critical. get back on track. So Finding Dory had a ninety-four percent rotten Tomatoes score, Metacritic score of seventy seven, and a A Cinema score rating. Okay. So Dory the forgetful blue tane is living happily in the reef with Nemo and Marlin. What? <laughs> Did I no, say something keep, wrong? No, keep, oh, I just no, keep reading. Okay. But when she suddenly remembers she has a family who may be looking for her, the trio sets off on a life changing adventure to find them. <laughs> you live in a diet of saltine at Tang. <laughs> Sorry, I just that's the first thing that <sighs> came to mind when you said Tang, and really I, I started laughing. I apologize. So my first note for this movie is I've recently been watching a ton of Shit's Creek. Great oh you heard you could yeah yeah, and i heard dory's dad's voice and i go that's eugene levy yes and then talk about a superstar cast because immediately bill Hader, fish yeah you have ellen diane keaton idris alba sigourney weaver sigourney weaver bill Hader, kate mckinnon ed o'neill ty burrell allison janney will defoe John Ratzenberger. <laughs> Did you say Caitlin Olsen? No, Caitlin Olson. Caitlin Olson, That's always sunny and the Mick. Yeah. So it's just a huge cast. It is probably the most star-studded cast in a Pixar movie, I yeah. think. Now, do you think that hindered the movie? At times, yes. I... Uh, just in a general sense, I found I sometimes was taken out of the experience mm-hmm. because there are so many voices that I recognized and knew from other things that like I was just see- hearing them as their characters, especially the Modern Family characters. What's the what's the issue here? Nothing. I was just looking at my battery. Oh okay. I think. Do you plug it? I agree in? It with you. No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think one of the bigger issues with animation movies is when you can't get away from the voice when you can't separate it from the character no see here's the thing because ellen at least to me is a very recognizable voice but in finding nemo i had no issues believing her as dory yeah that's a case where it works i think going back to what you said is there was just so many voices i recognize that every character i was like oh that's this person that's this person and it took away from the plot for me yeah so my first comment was that I, I... We saw this in theaters when it came out. I, I vaguely remember that experience. Yeah. But I, what I wrote down was I remember it not being as good as the first one, but I remember liking it. And that was what I like had remembered about it. And then my next comment was immediately that this fish is obviously Bill Hader. I heard yeah. it and I was like, that's Bill Hader. Just side note, John Rotzenberger plays a character named Bill. It's a crab. So I, I really liked that they kept that first part where her and Marlon meet. Yeah. I liked that they added that into incorporated that into her story. So it's nice to see that little scene from the original. And I really liked being able to see that again because it kind of brings you back into that story. Cause mm-hmm. this is, I think the longest gap between the original release and a sequel. So it's nice to, to get a little, just like a little recap and have that moment. Can I just say something? Sure. Sure. I find it interesting, we'll talk about Cars 3 next, but I find it interesting, I remember watching this movie and liking it, when I watched it this time, I had a hard time getting through it. I felt like I couldn't connect to it. Yeah. And it's weird because I should like it. I love, like, I I make a note that I I love Marlin as a character, but... I just, I I didn't write a lot of notes, like maybe the least amount of notes I'd taken mm-hmm. in a couple movies. I don't know. I just, it, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it that I dislike. It's not like a Cars 2 scenario yeah. where I hate the movie because it sucks. I don't know if it's the the scenario because I, they're in like an aquarium. I don't know if it's the characters, but I just didn't really have an emotional connection and attachment. Yeah, I think for me, the story just, didn't move along well it was like slow at times or it just felt really chaotic and i also felt like the side characters were not anywhere near as strong as all the characters in the tank in the first movie i really missed those characters i did like the nod to them at the end i like that we got them even for 10 seconds where they're just still in the bags just in the water but i had a hard time with the side characters i had a hard time with the plot there was just a lot of things that I... I mean, it took me three or four days to get through this movie. I know you told me that. I watched this in a, in one day. I know you had said, though, that it took you a couple days to get through it. I'm not sure what it is, because there's nothing wrong with Dory in this movie. Dory's mm-hmm. fine. I like her as a character. At times, what bothers me is Marlon. And I think he should sympathize more than anyone, because he understands what it's like to lose someone. Right. And to want to so badly get them back. And he was just rude the whole movie. He wasn't really sympathetic towards Dory until the end. He does come around, I yeah. And like Nemo, I don't feel like got to do anything. This no, movie, Nemo was really just a he side was just plot, kind of there. I don't know if it's just because it's the this like the aquarium, the scenario. I I missed the feeling of adventure. Yeah. That the first movie brought because that I think is. Still, Pixar's best adventure movie. I would agree. In, in terms of the scope and the scale. Do you think it was anything to do with it just being in one setting? Because, you know, finding Nemo takes place in so many different areas and so many different environments. I don't think so because we had the tank... And we had all those characters just in the tank, and I liked all that stuff. I think what I miss is, for me, Finding Nemo had maybe the strongest group of side characters, where I almost... I think I did pick a side character over main characters for my favorite character, and I missed having really strong side characters. I think that side characters really can help your plot and move along the story, and with this one, I just... They were just going from side character to side character, and I just didn't feel a connection to any of them, really. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, my favorite thing or side character, I guess, was literally the Sigourney Weaver's voice. I wrote down, I loved that Sigourney Weaver is just her talking yeah. over a loudspeaker. And honestly, that was one of my favorite things. They kept calling back to Sigourney Weaver. I thought that was really smart. But I also felt like the humor in this movie, besides it was... that, it just wasn't great. The humor was a little off. Yeah. Dory was so funny in mm-hmm. finding Nemo. Everything she did and I don't know if the material just wasn't there cuz like Ellen, I mean aside everything, you know, going on right now with her is funny. I think to me Dory out of any side characters is like one of the top 3 that I think deserves to have her own movie. 100% agree based with off that. their first movie. But I just felt like the execution wasn't there. In the way that Finding Nemo was able to do it, I feel like it wasn't there. And to be honest, it's one of my least favorite Pixar sequels. I kind of feel the same way. I mean, Cars 2 is by far the worst well, yeah. Pixar sequel. I, I, just, and I don't, I don't think, count Pixar. I don't Cars think 2. anything can go lower than that. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's a bar that Cannot be lowered any more yeah. than it already is. And it's it's weird because I, I really liked the beginning. I liked mm-hmm. all the stuff, um, you know, back in the coral reef and her remembering her parents and them starting that journey. And yeah. I liked that aspect. And it started strong, but as soon as we got to the aquarium, I think you're right. I think it just, the pacing got so slow. Yeah. And we kept jumping between, you know, Marlon and Nemo and Dory and... The octopus whose name I don't remember right now. I just I struggled, really looking at my notes. I really only wrote like four or five notes. The whole I just, movie. I told you I when my last note was. I think this is the most middle of the road Pixar movie. I mean, I'm ready to get into. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't really much to else you. to say, to be honest. I really don't either. Um. So I would say my favorite character was was Dory. I picked Dory as well. I think she had the obviously had the storyline. It was all about her. She was the main character mm-hmm. and not in the way and it's interesting because in finding nemo marlin is clearly the main character but dory is the companion and you know she's right there with him whereas in this movie it was clearly it was just dory mm-hmm. and marlin wasn't even he wasn't in dory's role in this no. movie it, it was right? just a a large cast of supporting characters so yeah. it was interesting to see that dynamic shift yeah my favorite line i went for comedy this time i did too so Marlin and Nemo are, like, with Dory in a tank, and they're all the blue fish, and Dory's looking for her parents, and Marlin's like, she should just pick two and go. And I was like, that's so funny. I also went for comedy as well in this one. It's when they're driving the car, and mm-hmm. a an octopus, Ed O'Neill Octopus, whose name, again, I can't remember, he just says, suck it, bipeds. <laughs> and I was like, alright, that got me a little chuckle. Yeah. So I was like, that... One. Yeah, I felt like scene. I also went comedy. It's when the trucks crashing into the water, and they're playing "What a Wonderful World." You hear Sigourney Weaver talking in the background, and then there's the food chain with the fish eating each other, and then just like throwing each other back up. It was definitely a surreal moment in that mm-hmm. movie. It was a very cool. I liked it. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's a good scene. I so scene and wise, I actually did go for serious. It's specifically because of the music. It's when she finally meets up with Marlon and Nemo, and they have that kind of conversation, and there's that build-up and swell of that Finding Nemo main theme. And I just really liked that moment, specifically. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good character moment between them. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think I had high expectations for it. Yeah, and unfortunately it didn't meet flopped. that. flopped. Yeah i apologize that was a bad pun that's for you i did it for you it was okay not great not bad just average okay i'll let it wash away (laughs) (laughs) that one was bad i'll stop now we should just stop why don't you the podcast is done (laughs) why don't you uh what do you want me to do uh she so no (laughs) No. okay i'm gonna stop no No, stop we would like to thank joseph mcdade for our intro music he provides free music available for all kinds of creative use the song that we used is called sunrise expedition and you can find it and his other music on his website JosephMcDade.com. if you would like to find us on social media you can follow us on instagram by searching research rank repeat